as I've been working in the community now for quite a number of years, quite a few decades, there's some misconceptions about heaven that I've heard with my own ears. And so I thought I'd tackle some of those this morning. Some misconceptions about heaven. If I was a more daring man, I might have worn some angel wings now, but I'm not. I'm a coward at heart. How are we going to do this this morning? I'm going to share with you some specific verses on some of these uh, misconceptions. What does the Bible say about these things? What is the truth? And then I also want you as good Bible scholars, because the Bible has been preached in this church now for over a hundred years, so I'm hoping that you are good Bible scholars. I want you to also use your collective knowledge of God's Word, because I can't read every single verse. What do we know about God's Word as a whole and the truths it teaches? So that we can give ourselves sanctified imagination. I'm going to call it that just for now. I'll explain that. You see, it's good to imagine what things could be using the basis of Scripture. But we must watch out that we don't go too far. So there's that bit. And then we're going to balance that with the silence of Scripture. So where Scripture doesn't speak about a specific thing, we can't speculate further. So I'm going to try and keep those three things in balance. Specific verses in God's Word, your sanctified imagination of using God's Word and the concepts on, in it, and then also the silence of Scripture and what we can't say. So let's look at some of these misconceptions about heaven. And uh, the, the one I want to bring to you first is this one. Heaven is not real. It's just a picture that teaches a lesson. I've heard this. Now you're going to say to me, some of you might say, you've said that, Calvin. You kept on going on about pictures in Revelation, that it was teaching us things. I will explain myself again. When you say heaven is not real, it's just a picture that teaches a lesson, it's not a true statement. Because heaven is a reality. It's not a picture. And it doesn't teach us a lesson. It is a reality. And the way the Bible teaches us about heaven is sometimes it uses pictures to describe certain truths of how God interacts with His people or things that are still going to come. For example, and I'm not going into the whole of Revelation again, breathe a sigh of relief, the four horsemen coming out of the four corners of the earth. It's a picture to show us that God's judgment is going to come and it's going to be there fully on mankind. Now, are we going to see four horsemen running out of the four corners in heaven? I don't think so. There are some who believe that, but I don't believe that. It's a picture to show us the reality of God's judgment, which is to come. All right? So we get the difference there? So when we speak about heaven, it's a real place. Isaiah 66 says, Heaven is God's throne. And after Jesus' resurrection and His appearance on earth, He said to 
the scripture says that he was taken up into heaven, a literal heaven, and he sat at the right hand of God. At Stephen's stoning, while they were busy stoning Stephen, Stephen looked up and scripture says he saw the glory of God as he gazed into heaven and he saw the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. He literally saw heaven and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. That was a reality. Hebrews 9.24 says this, Christ did not enter a man-made sanctuary that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself. Now it either means that or it doesn't. He entered heaven itself now to appear for us in God's presence. Now as I go through and I'm going to be I'm going to be quoting quite a few verses to you. I've put the references up there for you. Those of you taking notes. We're also told by Jesus himself that he has gone before us to prepare a place for, for us. He either meant that or he didn't. He's either the truth or he isn't the truth. And I know which one I'm behind. He's the truth. If he says it, I believe it. He's gone before us to prepare a place. That's what he's doing. And so we have the assurance of his word that one day he will come back to earth and take us to be where he is in heaven. John 14 verse 1 to 4. He said, I'm coming back for you and I will then take you to be with me. And so our belief in an eternal home in heaven is based on an explicit promise of Jesus and many of those promises. And so heaven's most definitely a real place. And when people deny the existence of heaven, whether they are unbelievers or whether they are liberal scholars, they deny not only the written word of God, that's the major, but there's something else they also deny. And that's that inner longing in our souls, if we are believers, to be with Him one day. We've got it in us. We are all made in the image of God from when we first born. And from that day, even though our souls are filled with sin, there is something in our souls which is looking for God. It's that hole in us. And people try and fill it with all kinds of things. But the only one who can fill that hole and complete them is God Himself. The only one who can fulfill those innermost longings of the heart is God. Paul addressed this issue in the letter to the Corinthians and he encouraged them to, this is what he said, cling to the hope of heaven so that you do not lose heart. Now if that wasn't a reality, why would he say that? Why would it be part of God's word to us, which is part of the full canon of scripture? His inspired word to us. Paul says, cling to the hope of heaven. It's real. So that you do not lose heart. And although we groan and sigh in our earthly state, and we're going to look at that in 2 Corinthians right at the end of our message, we're not yet in heaven and, and yet we're in the state of in-between. We groan and sigh in our earthly state. We have the hope of heaven always before us and we're eager to get there. I pray that you are eager to get to heaven. And so Paul urged the Corinthians to look forward to the eternal home. 
that eternal home in heaven, as their perspective around life and to enable them to endure hardships and disappointments. This is the way he said it. 2 Corinthians 4. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So, what do we do? We fix our eyes not on what is seen, the troubles around us, but on what is unseen, the hope of heaven. For what, we, what is seen is temporary. Those troubles will go away. But what is unseen is eternal. Fact of truth. Do we hope in heaven? Because if we do, it will give us perspective around anything that might come your way in everyday life. Anything. His grace will be sufficient for you then. Now, stepping away from that, the locality of heaven, because there must be a locality to heaven, right? Because the angels are somewhere, the saints who have died are somewhere, so now we're talking about locality, the, the heaven where saints and angels dwell has to be thought of as a sort of place, because saints and angels as God's creatures exist in space and time now. And we've seen that in Revelation. It's not a figment of the imagination that the saints and the angels are bowing before the Lord, the elders are before God's throne. Somewhere in heaven, the reality, they are worshipping God, even as we are having a church service here. And yes, Revelation uses pictures as metaphors to describe truths about God and His dealings, and I've explained that already, but they also describe the realities of the now present real heaven. And so when we read verses about heaven, we need to accept that reality. It exists. And perhaps God has intentionally covered the location of heaven and kept it a mystery to us. Because it's more important for us to focus on the God of heaven than the locality of heaven and what happens there. Who is to be our first focus? God Himself. You see, it's more important to know the why and the who of heaven than the where. Because if we knew the where, we might be focusing on the wrong thing. And we'd lose worship of God. And the New Testament, right throughout the New Testament, focuses on the purpose of heaven and where it is, instead of telling us exactly what it's like and where it is. Okay, I'll repeat that again. The New Testament focuses on the purpose of heaven and who is there instead of telling us exactly what it's like and where it is. It does indicate, but it doesn't focus on. But it does say this to us, the God of heaven is always near you when you call on Him. James chapter 4, verse 8. And we are encouraged to draw near to Him because He is the God who is near. That's the focus. And it speaks about hell as a place of actual separation and punishment. It's an actual place. But then on the opposite side of that, heaven is a place of fellowship and eternal joy. Both are realities that exist. Heaven is a place of worshipping around the throne of God. And so, heaven is real. Believe Scripture. That's my plea to you this morning. So that's that first misconception. 
Second misconception is this one, and I've heard this one as well. Quite a few times. Heaven sounds like one long and boring church service. Yeah. Sometimes I don't blame people thinking that because sometimes it can be real boring in church services, right? I hope not this one this morning. I'm watching. You see, when people say heaven sounds like one long and boring church service, and this is Christians that I've heard speaking this now, by the way. The first comeback I'll have on that is, hang on, you're going to see God in heaven. And if you've ever sensed that closeness to God, if you've ever sensed that closeness to God, you will know that you don't want that closeness to end. You want to be with God in that moment forever. Well, in heaven, that closeness is going to be an unending experience. Because we will physically see God all of the time and we'll be aware of His closeness to us all the time. Now, believer, let your, let your heart and your mind just go to that. You're going to be with God, you're going to see Him forever and you're going to experience the closeness of God all the time forever. Let that sink in a bit. But what will we be doing all the time? Eternity is a long time, you know. Are we going to have nothing to do? We're just going to float around on the clouds playing harps and various other musical instruments? Well, Scripture doesn't teach that. Nowhere does it teach that. Scripture teaches that we will worship God and serve Him. Alright, I'm going to expand on that. So don't glaze over. We're going to worship God. You should brighten up with that one. And we, should, we are going to serve Him forever. Now, it uses various terms in Scripture for serving Him. Reigning forever with Him. We're going to serve Him forever. But we're going to be in heaven working for God. It's not going to be there twiddling your thumbs and just wondering what you're going to do next and looking around in boredom. We are going to worship God and we're going to be serving Him forever. So, what could that look like? This is where I need you to use your collective knowledge on what Scripture says to us in general. Does that mean we're going to go to church services on Sundays and then we're going to go to work ruling the earth on the rest of the week? I don't know. God knows if they're going to be days of the week in heaven. Why would we need them? God knows if we'll need rest between our work. Yes, He did rest on the seventh day after He'd created and He's God. So maybe God is going to give us some time of rest in heaven where we can, I don't know, walk around and explore what He's made, the handiwork that He's made. We don't know. But we do know this, that He'll be in our midst and that we'll see Him all the time, and we'll be worshipping Him all the time while we're doing the purposeful work He has set for us, like we should be doing now. The only difference is we're going to be seeing Him as well, and He's going to be right there with us, and we'll see Him right there with us while we're doing the work set for us. Now that should make a difference to the way 
we serve him in heaven, right? What about the work he sets for us? The work he sets for us will not involve blood, sweat and tears. That was the result of the curse on Adam, right? Back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 19, God says, by the sweat of your brow you will work. So what's work in heaven going to be like? I think it's going to be like your dream job all the time. God's going to give you that work which so suits your personality that you're going to be so intrigued by this all the time. So there must be nuts and spanners and bolts for Dave Tester. Because I know what switches him on. I've seen it. But I do know that God says it will involve an eternity of learning and discovering as we explore the new earth and the new heavens he has made. Revelation 21. And it's going to be a recreation of heaven and earth. There's going to be the familiar, but it's going to be perfected. Think about that. You'll recognize that you're walking around on an earth and there's going to be beautiful trees and beautiful sky, but it's going to be perfected. There's going to be the familiar, but perfected. And when you taste fruit, it's going to be the perfect taste of a perfect fruit. And I can see fruit farmers are going to be just crying themselves happy. But it'll be joyful tears. And when you see a new bird flying in the new heavens and the new earth, it'll be a perfect specimen, untainted by sin or malformation. And nature lovers will be in seventh heaven, if I can just quote a phrase. Will there be technology in heaven? Now please stay with me here. I don't want any misquoting. Will there be technology in heaven for the techies amongst us? I'm sure you're waiting on what I'm saying next you see, the Bible doesn't specifically say, but who put those inventions into man's head? Who gave Tubal-Cain the ability to forge instruments of bronze and iron back in Genesis? Chapter 4, verse 22. Who gave Jabal the musicality and the ability to play the lyre and the pipe? God is the giver of good gifts. And because they'll... Now, Tekis, are you listening? Because there'll be no pollution in heaven because nothing destructive will enter the heavens I'm afraid you petrol heads will probably have much cleaner technology around God has given us good gifts why should he take us back to the stone age that's all we can say on that because we don't know anymore how will we travel around in heaven I don't know it might be some amazing technology that God gives us or Maybe it will be like Jesus Christ who just in his body appeared in various places. Because we're going to have new bodies too. And God, Christ has gone before us to show us. Scripture doesn't say, and so that's where I have to draw the line. So I'm sorry techies, I can't tell you more. But there's more to heaven. It's not one long boring church service. There will be friends and family to enjoy. And I'll explain that now. Those have also given their lives to Jesus while they've been on this earth. Because remember, we've learnt there is no time after death to still come to Christ. You must come on this earth. And we're going to be catching up with grandparents who were godly. We're going to be catching up with our parents who led us to the Lord, who showed us the way to the Lord. We're going to 
catch up with children who perhaps died before us and who were believers. Or maybe we're going to catch up with our marriage partners who've died and we're waiting to see them again. But are we going to be married in heaven? And that's a whole digression now. No, there's going to be no marriage in heaven. But we'll still recognize each other. How do I know that? Because when Jesus appeared amongst his disciples in his new body, they recognized him. Peter said, it is the Lord. He recognized the Lord. And so in some way, we're going to recognize each other. And there will be new people to meet in heaven because the saints will be walking around and working around in heaven. And there will be old saints to see with your own eyes. Job. I want to meet Job. What about the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter and John and Moses and Jonah? I want to speak to him. And what about Mary and Joseph? Wouldn't it be intriguing to see them? And Abraham, I wonder if he'll have a beard. And Methuselah, and Ruth, and Daniel, and the thief who was saved on the cross, and John Bunyan's going to be there who wrote Pilgrim's Progress. It's had such an influence on many people over generations. And Spurgeon will be there, and he's just my personal hero. Because he loved the Lord. And so there'll be discussions, there'll be laughter, there'll be singing, but our main focus as we laugh and discuss and sing will be on the Lord and His grace shown to us because He is the focus of our lives. Yes, even in heaven. You see the angels and the saints there show us the way. Who is their focus? God alone is their focus. While they're going about doing what they're doing, God is their focus. And so when we get there, He will be our focus. And they'll be gazing at God's amazing creation because we're going to walk around with mouths open as we see the new creation that God has created. Because it's going to be a perfect creation. We're going to be a bit like Adam when God first put him on that earth. What's this thing? With his long neck? Never seen anything like that. Well, no, Adam, I've just made you. We're going to be like that. We're going to see amazing things because God has recreated a perfect creation. And so we'll be intensely studying in minute detail some of the new parts of His creation, big or small. And yet, there's going to be no dissection of anything because there'll be no death. Just think through some of the truths of Scripture here. And there'll be creativity, there'll be music, art, dancing, singing, but it will all give God glory as the heavenly creatures and the angels and the saints already in heaven are doing now. Heaven boring? I don't think so. But I'm just the preacher. Hear God's word and draw your conclusions. But I can't wait to go to heaven because I'm an explorer at heart. I want to be and see the unknown. Third misconception about heaven, and this is a real short one, but listen to it. I've heard this among believers. In heaven I will finally get my reward for all the good things I've done that no one noticed. Come on. Be honest. Be honest now. You're looking all holy. Who hasn't said this to yourself when you've mowed someone's lawns for the fifth time? And they haven't even come up to say thank you. 
I'm doing it for you, Lord. Yes. Just wish someone would notice. Be honest. Are we finally going to get our reward for the good things we've done that no one noticed in heaven? What does the Bible say? I want to ask you a further question before that. What is your motivation for that statement? Because the only motivation that would make a statement like that is pride. Secretly, I wanted people to notice what I was doing. It's for the Lord, but I wanted them to notice. And there's a sense of injustice. No one noticed me, so they owe me. Revelation 21 verse 27 says, There'll be nothing unclean in heaven. There'll be no pride in heaven. So if you're still hanging on to those thoughts, take them to the Lord now. You see, what you haven't done for Jesus Christ will be stripped away. Anything on this earth that you haven't done for Him alone will be stripped away before you get to heaven one day. Because of what Christ has done on the cross for you. And what you have done for Jesus Christ will be His to reward. Not yours to claim a reward for. He will reward as He sees fit. And there we, we leave it with Jesus Christ. And when He does reward, you will know it's a reward. You see, do we need a reward when we do things for earthly people we love? Come on, people. Think back of those in love days, when you first love, right? You met that guy, you met that girl. You tripped over yourself just to do anything for them. I know later on in marriage things tend to tone down a little bit, sadly. But I remember a certain girl. Where is she? There she is. I used to do anything for this girl. She used to make coffee for the youth. I used to make sure I was there. You see, but the service itself was a reward. Do you get that? When we work for Jesus and He is my first love, any service I do for Him is the reward in itself. Yes? Otherwise, there's a false thing in you and you need to take it to Him. Because pride is entered. Enough on that one. Last one. This is one I've heard quite often when you speak to unbelievers. I hope I'll go to heaven, but they'll have to change the rules to allow me in. I've heard it. I'm going to quote quite a bit of scripture here. It's really important, you see, because I'm a good Kiwi. It's still very prevalent in the society of ours. And people base their whole lives on, I'm a good Kiwi. And therefore, I'll be alright in the end. She'll be right, bro. You see, unlike any other religion, Christianity says, you can know beforehand that you're going to heaven. You can know. You don't have to wait, like Islam, to find out if Allah's in a good mood when you get to heaven that day, and whether He allows you in or not. You can know now whether you're going to go to heaven. Christianity is the only one which provides this through Jesus. However, you can only get to heaven on God's terms. Why? Because He is your creator. You are His creation. Since when does the creation tell the creator what the rules are? 
He is God Almighty. You are not Johnny Almighty. And so you have to come into heaven by God's terms. But God wants you to be sure. And the Bible says, here's quoting from 1 John, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. Why? So that you may know that you have eternal life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. Why? So that you may know that you have eternal life. If you know Jesus Christ as the Son of God in your life, then you know that you have eternal life. Simple. It's not complicated. God loves us and He's provided a way so that we can be sure where we'll spend eternity. The Bible states it this way. It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that, here it is, whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. It's like maths. So what keeps us from heaven? What keeps us saying, well, I need to come in by my own rules? You see, if you stood before God right now, His heaven, by the way, and if you stood before Him right now and you said to Him, and He asked you, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say to God? I've been a good person, Lord. You see, the problem is this. Our sinful nature keeps us from having a relationship with God where it should be. Our sinful nature is what keeps us out of heaven. God won't close His eyes to me just because I'm me with my fantastic character and being a good Kiwi. My sinful nature keeps me from God's heaven. He's a holy God. There's not any sin to be found in heaven. And there will be no sin found in heaven when He recreates the heavens and the earth. And so nothing good you can do counts as good to God. You can't be a good Kiwi and get to heaven because it doesn't count in God's economy. We are sinners by nature and by choice. We are born in sin. We choose to do sin. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, says Romans 3.23. All have sinned. No exclusions. We cannot save ourselves. For by grace you are saved, through faith. And this not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. I'm sorry, good Kiwi won't make it. And so we all deserve death and hell. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin, unless God intervenes, the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Where can you find that freedom to get into heaven? In Christ Jesus himself. And it's a free gift to you if you would only come to him. And so back to the original question. How can I know for sure that I'll go to heaven when I die? The answer is this. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. It's the only way. And here's the promise to you. To all who received Him, to those who believed in His name, this is what God did. He gave the right to become children of God. 
And so you can receive that free gift from God. And the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. says Romans 6.23. And now, today, in today's life, if you've received Jesus Christ into your life, you can live a full and meaningful life right now. Because you know where your future is. And He will help you in the present. So future and present are in the Lord. Why would you not come to the Lord? And you can spend eternity with Jesus in heaven for His promise. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you may also be where I am. So you want to be sure that you can go to heaven without having the rules changed for you? Then come to Jesus Christ today. If you still don't know Him, it's the only way to get to heaven. There are many, many other misconceptions about Christianity and about heaven. But those are all I'm going to do this morning. I just want to end with these three thoughts. What do we do with this? Firstly, I put the fact to you. Heaven is real. Don't be mistaken. How do I apply that? Are you ready for heaven? Have you given your life to Jesus Christ? That is the only way you can get ready for heaven. There's a short song written by Sovereign Grace and it goes like this. Holy God in love became perfect man to bear my blame. On the cross He took my sin. By His death I live again. Come to Jesus Christ. There is no other way to be ready for heaven. And then to those of you who have given your hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ, who have experienced His grace on your life, who know that you are going to heaven, here's a follow-up question for you. Are you looking forward to going to heaven? See, I've read Pilgrim's Progress, written by my famous dead guy, John Bunyan. And on that story, old Pilgrim on his road to the celestial city, he sees all the sights around him and he gets distracted and after a while he can't get enough of the distractions and he's lost the focus and very soon he's off that road and he's living a life which is not God honoring my question to you is believer are you looking forward to heaven because if your focus is on heaven as I said last week you will go where your focus is If you're focused on the world, that's where your life will be. If you focus on heaven, you will live this life but looking to what's coming. And we're going to sing this song now. Second, um, Stuart Townend wrote it. Look at this. There is a hope that burns within my heart. I hope there is a burning in you for the hope of heaven that gives me strength for every passing day. A glimpse of glory now revealed in meager part, yet just that glimpse drives all doubt away. I stand in Christ with sins forgiven, and Christ in me, the hope of heaven, my highest calling and my deepest joy to make His will my home. Are you looking forward to heaven? Does it show in your life?
Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 to 17, and I put it up right at the beginning to, to read it right at the end. Listen to how Paul draws a conclusion here from everything we've looked at today. This is what he says. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 to 18. We do not lose heart. Now there's a whole lot that goes before this because it's Paul. All right, but he's talked about the gospel. He's talked about how God has given the gospel to us who are mere clay jars, who earthly vessels, and yet he's trusted us with the gospel. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. Why? Because we are looking to the hope of heaven. For the slight momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. You might go through hell on earth, but it is preparing you for a weight of glory to come. It's just a momentary affliction in the scope of eternity. How? As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. But the things that are unseen are eternal. Look forward to heaven and the glories that await us there and all the excitement of that never-ending time with the Lord. And you will see that you can get through whatever comes your way in life because that same God who will be with you in eternity will be with you through every single one of those circumstances now because He's holding you for eternity. Why would He let you go? His Son paid the price for you. You are a precious treasure to Him. Almighty God will hold you. Let's pray. Lord our God, as we consider these truths of heaven, we look around us and we see the world. But Lord, keep us focused on You in heaven, preparing a place for us there. And Lord, as we track through this life with our eyes on Jesus Christ, you will use us in ways which point others to you as well. And in the end, our lives will be lives which gave you glory because of Jesus Christ in us. Thank you for the hope of heaven, Lord. Thank you for the reality of what awaits us when Jesus Christ returns when He recreates the heavens and the earth, and when He separates all evil forever from the good. We look forward to that day. Come, Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.